remarriage after bereavement. Maybe I get a little selfish and I hope that I'll never have to face the loss of a spouse. And when I'm feeling more noble and altruistic, I hope my spouse will never have to face it. But regardless, nearly 100% of couples face the loss of their significant other during their lifetime. And so if this reality is so common, it's worth talking about. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to OYF.support. Once again, that website is OYF.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have what I would call a somber but hopeful episode for you this week. This is episode number 149, and today we're going to be talking about remarriage after bereavement. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed perfectionism and how that impacts marriage. It's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. So if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound, research-based advice, And most of all, we offer hope, even dealing with subjects that have a sad part to them, like today's topic of bereavement. So we're just talking about remarriage after bereavement today. Yep. But both of us, this is our first marriage. We don't actually have any close connections in our peer group that I could think of that have remarried after bereavement. We have a a couple acquaintances, but yeah, yeah, that's true. As far as I can think. And both sets of our parents are still living. So we're definitely abstracted from this in terms of direct experience and Mm -hmm. even observing, but we do have some research to help frame the issue. And it turns out, and some of this is not surprising, but men are more likely to remarry across all age groups. Okay. Meaning that any age of man who is bereaved is more likely to remarry. Yeah. Women's likelihood of remarrying declines more sharply with age than it does with men as they get older, women are less likely to remarry. And these patterns, interestingly, they're true across cultures. Hmm. And actually, the remarriage rates decline with age for both genders, possibly due to a lack of availability of potential partners or due to a reduced interest in remarrying. Hmm. Older widows often cite freedom from having to care for their spouse as a reason not to remarry in later life, which oh. which makes sense. Yeah. If, if you see... Someone caring for a spouse with a long protracted terminal illness, they are not only learning to become more independent as the illness progresses, like the healthy spouse, but they're also carrying a huge burden of care. Mm -hmm. And I could definitely see someone coming through that and being more reluctant to remarry. Right. It might be more, they might consider more of an emotional risk and cost to remarry than to stay single. Right. And I can understand that too. Like if you've been with someone for years and years and years and something happens, they get sick. Like you have all that, oh, what do you call it? Positive sentiment override or whatever, like to carry them through. Yeah. But I think if you... You just marry someone. If you just marry someone and then all of a sudden all you are is the caretaker kind of thing. Right. That would be a a lot harder. Right. Right. Yeah. True. And also researchers noted that rates of remarriage drop just after bereavement and then rise. Oh, that makes sense. This is different from remarriage rates for divorce where people often remarry quickly And it suggests that a time of mourning is needed before remarriage. 
Or it could be hinting to Verlinda at a social norm or taboo stating that it's inappropriate to remarry too quickly after being widowed, which is very real. Mm-hmm. 12 months is sometimes considered the acceptable time to wait before remarriage. And there is a large increase in marriages among bereaved men and women in the 13th month after bereavement. Really? It's like it's the magic number. You got to mourn that year, year through. Huh, interesting. How much is social? How much is real and needed? Be pretty hard to pull all that apart. But don't you think like you need some time to get to know somebody after your spouse dies? You do, for sure. And and you need to go through all those anniversaries once. Right. Or you may feel that need. Right. Like the so first birthday without them. Yeah. Or, yeah. There's lots of stuff that comes into it, right? Okay. And uh, overall, the rates of remarriage are much lower after bereavement than divorce. 5% of bereaved women and 12% of bereaved men remarry compared to 69% of divorced women and 78% of divorced men remarrying. That's like a huge difference. It, it's a huge difference. I don't know if it's controlled for age. Okay. Okay. Widowed people often marry other widows with 45% of bereaved men and 42% of bereaved women doing so as opposed to marrying someone who is single. Okay. So that's almost half. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So there's a number of issues that affect remarriage following bereavement. And uh, this is kind of like a series of interesting factoids, if you will, talking about the influences that come into play. In a general sense, either post-divorce or post-bereavement, it's my understanding that the divorce rates for second marriages are higher than the divorce rates for first marriages. And I, I think the takeaway from this is just to note that it's probably harder to make that second marriage work well. And mm-hmm. we're going to see how many different factors play into this. And I'm not mentioning this because I have an agenda to discourage second marriages, but rather to make sure that folks listening to this are better prepared and better educated so they can come to their second marriage more informed, more prepared, and consequently have a greater likelihood of really enjoying that second marriage and making it all that they can, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, so-and-so's remarried. Oh. Oh, so-and-so's remarried. Like it's all coming oh, you're to my to remember mind. Them yeah. All now? Okay. Yeah. So we do have friends that from are bereavement and, and remarriage. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Availability of partners. So this is the first issue. The availability of potential partners is lower the older you get, especially for women, since older unmarried women greatly outnumber older unmarried men. Why is that? Like I, I mean, I heard in like war. They have longer times. lifespans. Oh, okay. Okay. Widows. And widowers living in big urban areas have lower rates of remarriage than those living in less urban areas. Is urban like country or city? City. City. Or okay. rural. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, not really. You're less likely to remarry in the city. Okay. Have I got that right? That urban thing? Yeah, because rural, we live rural. Yeah. Which is country. Yeah. So okay. urban is city. Okay. Possibly due to having less of an established social circle. In the city. In the city. But you'd think that there would be more available partners. Uh, we're, as some smart person said, we're all in this together alone. Right, in the city. Yes. Interesting. So the availability of spouses, that, that's a factor. Yeah. Okay. okay. Social support, this is kind of tying into that because we just mentioned the social circle. Levels of social support can affect availability of partners, but also the desire to remarry. Bereaved men who had higher levels of social support from friends and family they reported less desire for future romantic relationships at six and 18 months after the bereavement. Okay. Women tend to have larger social networks and more trusted confidants than men and also typically receive more support from their children after bereavement. So okay. men's increased desire to remarry may be partially due to a lack of alternative social support. 
Oh, this just sounds so like cold and sterile. Sorry. In fact, when bereaved men report having high levels of social support, their desire to remarry is no higher than that of women. So that to me highlights a social problem with men. And I think it's real. I see it in my own life. Like we don't have as much of a deep social network as our wives do generally. Hmm. I've met some men that are exceptions. Yeah. Interesting. But generally that's more the case. Economic factors play into this. Remarrying is often seen as economically advantageous over staying single, especially for women who tend to have lower incomes or work less hours. This effect gets less pronounced in later adulthood as traditional gender roles become less important because couples are no longer looking after children. They're potentially not in employment anymore. So the advantage of remarrying may be less in later life. Oh my. Does that sound cold too? Um, yeah, sort of. Okay. If you figure out how to warm this up, let me know. Well, it's just like, oh man, I'm having troubles making ends meet. I should marry somebody. Ah, yes. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Social norms. Yep. The perception that remarrying quickly after bereavement is inappropriate and that there's an acceptable way to grieve that comes into play. Bereaved men and women both report the desire to remarry someday at six months from the bereavement and a desire to start dating now at 18 months. So there's a shift in perception based on timing. Okay. Which is reflective of social norms. Interesting point here about the quality of the marriage that just ended due to bereavement for Linda. Couples who had high levels of conflict were more likely to want to start dating again more quickly. That totally does not make sense. I don't know why. I'm either thinking like, number one, possibly redemption. Yeah. Uh, I need to do it right this time. Okay. Prove that I can. Number two, what if you saw conflict as the desire to connect? Okay. Right? Okay. And maybe it was your spouse's fault. And so this time it's not As gonna... opposed to having no connection. Yeah. Oh, so you're going to continue to pursue connection. Okay. Okay. Anyways, these are several factors that come into play. Do you know what? What? Never met him actually. Oh, shush yourself. Um, you know how he was saying that people living in the city have lower rates of remarriage? Uh-huh. I kind of wonder if that's because like it's harder living in the country. Oh, whereas in the yeah. city, right? Like you... Walk down the street to the grocery store. What's harder, you... what's harder living in the country? Well, I think life is harder. Like you actually have to plan meals and there's more yard work. And it's not like you can sit in your condo with your yard work done yeah. and get takeout every day yeah. or delivery. or There's less services kind of. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Good so point. I guess even though there's more social support. It might be easier to be independent in a city. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I would think. Hmm. Good. Good observation. Yep. I would agree. I have no idea. I like the country. Me too. Now, we're going to take a look at some of the benefits, but I also want to mention for our listeners that we've created a bonus guide for our much appreciated patrons. This guide will help you think through the mixed emotions that come with facing the prospect of a second marriage. It talks about how the bond will change, the challenges of combining families, creating new traditions, struggles with comparisons, and more. You can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. That's like a, that's a lot of stuff to have to. It is a lot of stuff. And... Yeah. Huh. That's so good. let's just take a quick break to tell folks about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day to day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. 
counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about factors affecting remarriage, but we want to look at the benefits and then the important stuff, talking about creating new attachment ties or bonds. Yeah, because like we just went over a whole bunch of negative stuff, I think. All right, let's talk about the benefits of remarrying after bereavement. Well, it is a bereavement episode, so. All right. Okay. uh, It doesn't all have to be happy. A bit of a pall over it. First, Remarried men and women have lower symptoms of depression than their widowed, still single counterparts. Research suggests that remarriage then is not a reaction to loneliness and lack of coping, but in fact signals coming to terms with the loss and moving on, Huh? processing it. That's yeah. kind of neat. It is interesting. I take it from this that the remarriage can act as a catalyst for grieving through all the stages, finding closure, and then looking for creating the next part of your story. Huh. I think you should check that message. It's from McKenna. Interesting. The next research observation is more just a correlation, not necessarily a causation, but widows who remarried had higher household incomes and worried less about finances than those who did not remarry. Okay. And hopefully nobody thinks it's a worthwhile idea to remarry only for money, but financial considerations are real. I'm not sure if I can make it on my own is a different attitude to move into your social circle with than I don't need anybody. Whoa. So what's your point there? I'm just saying if the finances are a real issue, yeah, it may change whether you're open to remarriage or not. Oh, I see. Or how open you are. I see. I see. Yeah. So if you're comfortable financially, you might not need anybody. You might have more the thought of, I don't need. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Whereas, you know, surely none of us would be above the potentially wistful thought of, you know, if we're not. If our finances are marginal, thinking, boy, it would sure be nice to have someone else to help me carry this. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that sounds better than like, oh man, I need to marry for money. Yes, it does. I'm just saying it's a real consideration, right? Yeah. I, yeah, got that. So another research study noted that widows and widowers dating or remarried 25 months after the bereavement, two years after it, was highly correlated with greater overall psychological well-being. A study, this is a study from 2011. And again, yet another study noted that over time, remarried individuals showed improvements over non-remarried individuals in life satisfaction, resolution of grief, self-perceived coping, stress levels, self-esteem, physical health, and levels of social support. Wow. That's a lot of improvements. Yeah. You know what? I think we can switch to the judgmental thing so quick, at least in my own life. About people remarrying yeah. sooner. What do you mean? Yeah, like, oh, you know, they didn't take the time to grieve and it's yeah. just a rebound yeah. or... But, it's but a, that's more breakups, isn't it? But even so, like, why is that my business? Right. Should they be deprived of the benefits? Yeah. Huh. All right, keep going. If you're bereaved today and considering remarriage, then I hope that while we gave you some factors to consider, i.e. there's some concerns, mm-hmm. that this is also an encouragement as well, that there's a lot of positives that can come from this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, attachment is really interesting. We come back to this topic of attachment. We've addressed it in previous episodes, but this is the love bond that exists between a couple. 
attachment, okay? When you form that bond over 10, 25, 40 plus years, and then one spouse passes away, this is a huge disruption in that bond. Well, is it not like broken? Yes. Okay. But you're still left with your part of the bond. Ooh. Okay. Remarrying allows you the opportunity to form a new attachment bond. Yeah. Not plug the old one into someone else. Because think of the bond, like when I say bond, I kind of think of like this, this um, gooey glue thing going between two people. Okay. They're bonded. Okay. Right. It's the sticky thing that keeps them together. Okay. I'm sure there's a more romantic way. To I'm sure there is a more romantic way. <laughs> Just imagine it's rose colored and it smells like a fresh rose garden. Caleb, just keep going. Okay. So, so that gets broken, but, but think of that actually, instead of my terrible illustration, think of that as a matrix. It's like, I don't know what a matrix is. It's like a, uh, a highly complex set of connections to another person. Okay. Formed over years. Okay. Which is so that when you and I walk into McDonald's, I can order for you without you needing to say anything. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, hopefully it has more benefits than that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm so glad I'm married to you. But when you break that, right, you can't just take that and then plug that into the new person, even if it's oh. the appropriate 12 months later. Right. Because what they want at McDonald's is not going to be the same as what you want at McDonald's. Right. Okay. Oh, that's too bad. So that, <laughs> I'm not even going there. That old bond still lingers and it'll continue to affect you as the bereaved spouse, right? To quote one researcher, human attachment bonds are established and maintained at emotional levels so deep that the mere fact of the physical death cannot disrupt these bonds. So the bond's still there. Okay. But so then remarrying becomes a process of letting go and holding on at the same time. And this is complex now. So Like holding on to your... To the fact that that bond... Previous spouse. You're part of it's still there. It's still with you. Okay. 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 And this holding on part surprised me to be honest, but these same researchers noted that holding on to the previous bond can help strengthen the bereaved spouse and add to their mental resources and sense of purpose. Think about things like caring about the deceased after their death and the sense of, I'm glad, you know, he didn't have to see X like, okay, you know, his buddies, one of his buddies got smoked by a train or something. Oh, honey. Sorry. I think you should maybe not do examples today. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be thoughts like, I'm glad she's at peace now. So those are caring thoughts towards your... That one's better. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So maintaining intimacy is another thing, right? So thinking about how the deceased spouse would have reacted to a certain way or something that they would have enjoyed or liked, that consideration of them. Okay. Family, staying in touch with the deceased spouse's family and still seeing yourself as a part of that group, mm. right? That's honoring, that's holding on to the old bond. Yeah. The original sense of family, here's a quote from researcher, the original sense of family in which the deceased was a central figure persists with an elasticity that allows it to be restored again and again. Meaning that you can come back to that old family, even though your primary connection to them is gone, that set of in-laws. Oh, okay. Assuming okay. there was good relationships, all right? Yeah. And then also... Reaffirming the significant part that the deceased person played in shaping your sense of self. So it's continuing to act in accordance with this. It helps you keep your sense of self intact. It's good for your self-esteem. Really? So you maintain the good influences, the values that you learned or that okay. were strengthened by your deceased spouse, right? Okay. Now think about this. You're, you're now considering remarriage. So now forming a new bond, which is going to, as we'll see in a moment, hopefully expand your sense of self. That's possible by building on the old one. We don't have to talk about replacement. 
Okay. I thought you said before, like you had the old one and you, you had, you got a new one or you built a new one or. Yeah. So maybe, maybe in this case, like I'm not saying like the old matrix is gone, but we're considering rewiring parts of it and expanding and having another new matrix go out to another person, right? Of connection, new attachment bond. Okay. So commitment to the new spouse does not necessarily replace commitment to the old. Now, the caveat in here is you have to watch the comparisons. Comparisons to the old spouse are inevitable, but that can be harmful if it's made explicit or if it's brought up in a negative way. Right. Right? Right. Bereaved and remarried couples may want to make some sort of implicit agreement not to talk about the old spouse or or the bereaved spouse may wish to talk about their lost spouse, but only with people other than the new spouse. Really? Or they can talk about it with each other, but you just have to be really careful. Like, like you know, spouse number one was way better in bed than you Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you can't say pardon that. Pardon the extraordinary blunt example, right? But that's yeah. an unhelpful comparison. Right. So. But I think it, oh, well, me and all my vast experience here, but I thought it would be neat to like share parts, like especially, you know, how oh, almost 50% of them marry a widow or widower themselves. Right. You know, it might be neat to share right. different things, but yeah, I see what you mean. Comparisons aren't real great. If the memories are honorable and can be... Like my first wife could cook. Yeah. That wouldn't go over very well. Well, your gravy's almost as good. As my mom's. <laughs> I wonder where we got that example from, honey. <clears throat> that was actually from somebody else. Did I actually say that? I'm sure you didn't. That's good. Are you serious? Did I actually say that? You said something like it. I don't think it was gravy. Really? But your mom always... I think it was the shape she cut the lettuce for the fajitas, actually. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you kept track of that. <laughs> all right. And all you do is laugh. Oh. <laughs> so anyways, you know, this, this affects remarriage as well as just like marriage in the first place. I know. I've just completely lost it because it's the symbolism of the comment, not the actual lettuce. I get that, but I'm... I'm trying to maybe distract myself by thinking too hard about the lettuce. <laughs> Anyways, next time we have fajitas, I'll fix that one up. Mm-hmm. Oh, this lettuce is amazing. <laughs> Shut up. I think it even crunches more when you cut it like that for Linda. Like, okay. All right. I'm sorry if you feel like I'm disrespecting you now, because you probably do. <laughs> so, but I'm just saying this is all, more. this is all nuanced about, it's the comparison thing, right? Oh, yes. yes so, yes. I mean, maybe. Airplane going over. Yeah. That's the crop duster. Oh. That was the shadow of the crop duster. Oh, I thought it was a power going up. Yeah, me too, but it was just going over the window. Anyways. Uh, Comparisons. Yeah, I feel like I live in a neighborhood of squirrels right now. <laughs> if you both are mature enough to find ways to honor the memories that your spouse carries of their previous spouse. Yeah. Without that needing to be a challenge or a threat to you, that's great. Right. Not everybody might be able to get there. Right. So having someone else to talk to yeah, if might you, be a better option. If your spouse can't get there, being able to reminisce with someone else. Well, that makes it sound like there's something wrong with your new spouse. It doesn't you know, have to be something there. wrong, though. Oh, okay. It's just like how we hold on to memories is by telling stories, right? So should I silence 40 years of a major partnership? Should I put that under like censorship? Mm. You know what I mean? That's that's a that that's a hard. big thing to ask for. Yeah. 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 So it's finding, like navigating this is a challenge, right? Right. Okay. So how can you find a thoughtful and respectful way of allowing that to occur without it being a threat to the formation of your new marriage bond? That's the question. Right. Okay. Now, 
Another hiccup to watch for, and I wasn't expecting this one, but what if your second marriage is better? That was very narcissistic of me. I wasn't expecting this one. But what if your second, like, I'm saying it's unimaginable that you could marry someone better than me. That's, anyways, now I'm self-analyzing. Caleb, I thought you were saying, like, you were all excited because you had hope that your second marriage might be better. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, okay, so forget about me being a narcissist. But what if this actually is true for you, Verlinda? Your second marriage is better. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You shouldn't have accepted that so quickly. <laughs> this is just going down the tube. Okay, so what if your second marriage is better? I needed you to say, I can't possibly imagine that, but I'll try. Um, oh. Well, you might also experience a level of guilt if your new marriage goes well, or if certain aspects of it are better than the original marriage. Like you might feel like you're betraying your deceased spouse because you're enjoying this more. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, this is so hard to even think about. It's tough, yeah. So, but let's go back on the positive side because this is hard to think about. Okay. And we don't want to be uncomfortable. I think this part is pretty cool. That was sarcastic, by the way. If you ever come to me for therapy, I will make you feel uncomfortable because it's good for you. Your sense of self, Verlinda, or our listener, can expand in the new marriage. Now, no two marriages are the same, right? So the bereaved spouse can learn more about him or herself by how they relate to their new spouse. Okay. This process of self-expansion increases intimacy with the new spouse. Like learning about them and... Yeah. Remember the episode we just did on on restoring the romantic passion part of your marriage? Like uh, rekindling the romance, Mm -hmm. dating your spouse again. That's what it was called. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what deepens intimacy is learning new things about each other. Mm -hmm. And change. Passion, sorry, gets increased by intimacy increasing. Right. And change. Okay. So in this sense... The new marriage doesn't need to replace the old one, but goes beyond it. And as one researcher said, there's no subtraction, only addition. Because this ex- this can expand yourself, your concept of who you are. Okay. Now, I think we saw this in a couple on our, on our, our gap year trip. His first wife passed away before she died. She told him that he must remarry. And he should know that she was going to be insanely jealous, but he had to do it anyways. Huh. And he told me this through tears. She was an incredible lady in her own rights, and he still misses her. So he's remarried. And a third party now told yeah. me about this guy that his second wife is nothing like his first wife because we've only ever met his second wife. And she's a dynamic, outspoken, entrepreneurial, very creative lady. Mm-hmm. If you're in the room with her, you know she's there. Mm-hmm. And I understand that that was very unlike his first wife. Right. And so I can totally see how being in the second marriage is absolutely expanding his sense of self. And he's going beyond what he came to learn of himself from his first marriage. Okay. You understand? Yeah. So there's this expansion of personhood that's likely to come with a second marriage as well. And I think that could be a positive, a great positive to help offset some of the ongoing sense of loss and the ending of that first attachment bond. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So... I hope this has been encouraging for those of you who have been bereaved. We've tried to be real here about some of the challenges, uh, but there's also a lot of positives too, if you're considering remarriage. And also for those that are already remarried, just to normalize some of your experience and possibly open up some possibilities for how you can continue to grow and expand as a person, but expand as a couple as well. Hmm. Let's wrap this up, baby. Yeah, I certainly learned a lot today, my dear. Or I guess maybe I just hadn't actually thought these things through before. Yeah. Thought about them. Yeah, I hadn't either come into this. So it was it's kind of a neat topic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to those of you who became patrons between this recording and their previous one. We had Kareen and Sherry and Gary and Jamie. Wow, thanks everybody. That's great. 
Next week, Fernando, we're going to be talking about creating purpose in your marriage. Huh. Making meaning. So yeah. that should be good. Yeah. That'll be episode number 150. Wow. Cray cray. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 149. And find out how you can help marriages, go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Belinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.